Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. hang out and to see what happens. Are you up for that? Okay. I would suggest you click that live button. Let's begin. already. There's some difficult F's in this. On nights like this, when the world's a bit amiss, and the lights go down across the trailer park, I get down, I feel had. Feel on the verge of going mad And then it's time to punch the clock I put on some makeup Turn on the 8-track I'm pulling the wig down on my head Suddenly I'm Miss Midwest Midnight Checkout Queen Until I head home and I put myself to bed I look back on where I'm from Look at the woman I've become And the strangest things seem suddenly routine I look up from my vermouth on the rocks A gift wrap wig still in the box A towering velveteen I put on some makeup Turn on the A-track I'm pulling the wig down from the shelf 
That's the wrong chord. You deserve better. Suddenly I'm Miss Beehive 1963 Until I wake up and I turn back to myself Some girls they got natural ease They wear it any way they please With their French flip curls and perfume magazines Wear it up, let it down This is the best way that I've found To be the best you've ever seen I put on some makeup Turn on the A-track I'm pulling the wig down from the shelf Suddenly I'm Miss Farrah Fawcett from TV Until I wake up and I turn back to myself You know I do, I really do That was fun, got some chords wrong, that's okay thought we'd read some tonight. A book before bedtime. We haven't got much time together, so let's get straight in. I'm drinking water. I hope you have a nice drink. The house isn't wonky, it's the camera. But I won't fix that now because we could be here all night. <clears throat> I thought we'd read Lim Perry, Secrets of the Street, the book they could not ban. Can't really ban books. We're going to pick up on chapter three. And I hope you enjoy it. Chapter three, wartime memories and school day fun. Thank you, big boy. Do you want to come and join me? I'm okay, where are you? Would you like to say hello to big boy? Come on. Here he is, and he really is a big boy. Do you want to sit with me while I read Lim Perry? Chapter 3, Wartime Memories and School Day Fun. I'll never forget being huddled round the wireless on the 3rd of September 1939, the day World War II broke out. I can still remember hearing the voice of the then Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, declaring war. I was just eight and a half and didn't realise the enormity of the announcement. But I knew it was bad. My parents started crying and I'd never seen my dad cry before. To this day, I cannot forget Chamberlain's words. And she quotes him. This country is now at war with Germany. We are ready. 
You okay, mister? My mum and dad were heartbroken because they feared he would have to join the army. But it turned out that he was spared as his job as a hot hand was a reserved occupation. Hot hand. I don't know what that means. He still did his bit, though, and joined the ARP. During his time as an air raid warden, he almost got his head blown off by a giant lump of flying shrapnel. I suggest almost getting your head blown off is, is similar to almost dying and almost having your arm chopped off and almost winning the lottery. You didn't. To hear him talk afterwards, you would have thought he'd seen off the Hun single-handed. But me and our Dougie helped keep his face on the ground. Feet on the ground, actually. Of course, Dougie is her brother who went on to become quite a famous comedian. We were forever reminding him he hadn't stepped outside Rotherham during the war years. Like everybody else in our street, we had an air raid shelter in the back garden. I lived in a house once that had an Anderson shelter. Um... It was, it was very damp in there. We didn't go in there very often. We weren't at war. The factories helping the war effort in Sheffield and Rotherham were German targets, so they didn't have to be far off the mark to make a mess of Vernon Road. There was a large steelworks nearby, so the area did suffer a lot of bomb damage. I wasn't too keen on our shelter, which was a big one above the ground, but next door my Auntie Edie's was underground. I loved climbing down the steps into the half-light as the musty stench filled my nostrils. There were bunk beds in case we had to stay overnight. It was a real adventure. She had a paraffin heater and we played cards for hours down there. It was like a little house. Her shelter also had the added attraction of Doug, Aunt Edie's eldest son. He was about eight years older than me and I fancied him like mad. He spurned all my advances and got very fed up with me making eyes at him. I never got the chance to get really close to him because there were always too many people around. My dad spent the air raids marching round the garden with his tin hat on keeping a watch. One night he came down looking a little shaken and making quite a fuss. He was very agitated and said, Something has just come past me with such a whiz. I don't know what it was, but it whistled past my ear. There was a blackout on, so you couldn't see anything if it was a cloudy night. The next morning we got up and discovered what had missed my dad's head by inches. A two-foot piece of shrapnel. He was a bit more careful about walking around air raids after that. And we just had that story. Wasn't that just the thing that we said? When war broke out, I was a pupil at St Bede's Roman Catholic School. Hitler's bombs never really interfered with my studying. Not long after the family moved to the broom, I started secondary school. But the change in schools wasn't straightforward. My dad insisted I switch after catching the priest at our house asking my mum for cash. Every Thursday, the priest walked 15 miles to get all the spare money off my mother. She was frightened to death of this chap in his sombre black coat. He expected her brass because Catholics were always expected to give to the church. One day, after changing shifts, my dad was at home when the clergyman arrived. Dad was a bit taken aback seeing him and asked what he was doing at our house miles away from the parish church. The priest said he'd come to collect the weekly donation from my mother. 
When she gave him the money, Dad told him in no uncertain terms not to come back for any more. The priest pointed out that I still went to his school, but Dad looked him in the eye and said, she won't be going back no more. And so at the age of 10, I started at Herringthorpe Secondary School. And one thing I'm learning about Lynn Perry is she really knows how to tell a story. It was there, wearing white ankle socks and sandals beneath a blue robe, that I took to the stage for my first role as the Virgin Mary. Because that's ironic because I believe later on in the book there's a lot of sex. So the Virgin Mary is... is is funny. With hindsight, here we go, there's a joke coming up. The casting for the school's nativity play was virgin on the ridiculous. As even at that tender age, I was lusting after my leading man. Hang on, how old is she? Ten. The Joseph in question was my first great love. He was a lovely lad called Denzel Pierce. Oh, even now I sigh when I recall his name. He had a shock of ginger hair and freckles and was all a four foot and out. But to me, he was Paul Newman. In those days, I was sweet and innocent, so it must have been a long time ago. Playing the Virgin Mary was right up my street as I'd been brought up as a churchgoer. Looking at me then as a leading lady in the nativity play, no one could have guessed what I get up to later on in life. Now, I don't know if that's a reference to her acting in Coronation Street or to having lots of sex. I don't know. But she can really tell a story. Oh, she says it here. I've got some stories to tell. But this is when love first struck. I was 10 years old and dear Denzel was my victim. It was so cute. A real schoolgirl crush. I was even shorter than my present four feet, 11 and a half inches. But despite my diminutive stature, Denzel was still terrified of me. I, on the other hand, was madly in love with him. And wild horses would not drag me away from his side. This is sounding quite unpleasant. I used to follow him everywhere. I was his shadow. I even tracked him to the boys' toilets and would wait outside. He'd snarl, will you stop following me? took no notice. Even in those days, I was a real pushy devil. Well, on Saturday afternoon, he would go to football matches and I'd be there. Try as he might, Denzel couldn't put me off. It didn't matter what I did or what he did to ignore me. I wasn't the type of girl who would get embarrassed. I was pretty thick-skinned even then, an attribute that was to help in later life when the odd critic had a go at my performances. I was so desperate to date Denzel that I used to wait outside his school locker. When he arrived, I'd just stand there gawping as he packed his books and the rest of his gear. Then I'd walk with him to the school bus stop. When the double-decker rolled up, I'd try and squeeze onto the same seat as him. It is actually quite unpleasant. Imagine it was a boy doing it to a girl. There's your answer. I'd wait in the queue behind him to see if he was going upstairs or downstairs. Then I'd follow with a girlish glint in my eye. I've got the feeling we're building up to something quite inappropriate here. So be ready. When he was cast as Joseph in the school play and I was made the Virgin Mary, I thought fate was on my side. 
but you'd never seen a Mary and Joseph standing further apart. I'd be up at the front with the baby Jesus, and Denzel would be cowering at the back of the stage, trying to give me as wide a berth as possible. He couldn't bring himself to look at the baby during the performance, let alone at the rehearsals in case our eyes met. He'd go right back and look over my shoulder, and the teachers would tell him to come in the front. He'd shout, I'm all right here, miss. He wouldn't come near me at all. It was as if I got leprosy. He really hated the sight of me. I don't blame him, really, because I'd been driving in potty all year. Denzel was the first leading man I fell for, but he was by no means the last. Later on, I actually got to kiss a few, and it went even further with some others. I chatted to Denzel, but he never talked back. It was a bizarre relationship. Yeah, it was bizarre, Lim Perry. And nowadays, that kind of behaviour is severely frowned upon. His lack of communication didn't rebuff me at all because I was just a kid in love with him. We didn't know about sex or anything like that then. Nobody taught... <laughs> I haven't read this before. Nobody taught us how to put condoms on cucumbers like they do in some schools these days. I just fancied him and had made my mind up I was going to marry him. It was very black and white in my mind with no grey areas. If only real life could be like that. Huh? She's talking about real life, right? By the way, I can't see your comments. Cheers. Who knows, there may even be no one watching this. Well, that's a shame for them, because this is lovely. I only ever tried to kiss him once, but I missed and never tried again. I told Denzel about my wedding plans, and he reacted much as I expected. He ran like hell down the football field, shouting, She's mad! At the age of 11, I passed my school certificate with top grades in maths and the sciences. I don't know how I did it with my Denzel obsession still fresh in my mind, but collecting the certificate at the town hall led to some red faces. The girls who passed in my class were asked to give their full names to the teacher. Nearly everyone in the class had about three first names, but I was playing Jean Dudley. So the girls began reeling off their names. Mary so-and-so, Jane such a body, and so on. When they got to the girl beside me, Margaret Josephine Rosemary King, I decided I could do with a couple of posh names too. So I piped up Jean Audrey Diana Dudley. Of course, most of you will know, um, my, my birth name was Ian Lee Rugby. Um, and then... For showbiz reasons and because I'd fallen out of my dad, I dropped the rugby and became Ian Lee. Possibly the greatest mistake of my life. I can't go back now because my kids have the surname Lee, but if they didn't, I'd go back. But that meant for a long time, I didn't have any middle names. And was it last Christmas or the Christmas before? I gave the gift of giving me middle names to my two boys. And they came up with Felix Diamond. So my full legal name is Ian Felix Diamond Lee. You can change your name. It only costs a few pounds. You can kind of do it for free if you want. It's great fun. 
thoroughly recommend it. So she's given herself extra names. That was all forgotten about until a few weeks later when we were all in a giant auditorium at the town hall in Rotherham for the formal ceremony. I think I can see where this is going to go. The town crier was there in full costume ringing his bell. When was the last time you saw a town crier? Those guys. I mean, they know about like Twitter and stuff, right? And phones. He was ringing his bell and announcing the names. It was a very big event and quite nerve-wracking for some of the parents. The bell rang and the town crier announces the name Jean Audrey Diana Dudley. And you've guessed it, nobody got up. Everyone just sat there looking around, including my mum. Then all of a sudden, from the embarrassing silence, my mother chipped in. Excuse me, what was that last name? When he said Dudley, she asked, what were the other names? He said, Jean, Audrey, Diana. My mother looked daggers at me and demanded to know where the other names had come from. She told me she'd kill me. At the time, she didn't see the funny side. My parents, when I was about five or six, um, told me my middle name was Gaylord. It was a joke. Remember, they told me we were in a caravan Where were we? It was pouring with rain and we were in a caravan. Um, and they told me my name was middle name was Gaylord. And I was devastated. I was devastated. I don't know why. I just knew it was a silly name. And I was devastated. And then about two years later, I went to um, France, to Calais with my nan and granddad on the hovercraft. If you've never traveled on a hovercraft, my God, it's the noisiest thing in the world. And we were, they asked, for, they asked me for my name. And I said, Ian Gaylord Rugby. And my nan and granddad burst into laughter. And they said, what? And they said, no, it's not. And it got, it, I ended up saying to my mum and dad, what was that? And they went, oh God, it was a joke. And we forgot to, I guess, deprogram me. So they didn't say to me, your name is not Gaylord. They, they, you know. I, all I remember about that trip is I knew Unglass. And we had Unglass. And we also had these big, big chocolates. I had two of these big chocolates. And I remember it because I threw them up almost perfectly formed. Both of them on the, fe uh, uh, on the hovercraft back. Remember much else about the trip, and of course now there would be like that three thousand photographs of it. I don't think any photos were taken. I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a photo of that. Where did we get to? Oh, she didn't see the funny side. At the end of the ceremony, lots of people went up because their daughters had forgotten to put a name in. But my mother was forced to go up and ask them to knock all my fancy new names out. The town crier asked her. What name would you like to add? She said, it's Jean Dudley, playing Jean Dudley. That will do. Thank you very much. He looked up at her and said, she's just Jean. So where did this Audrey Diana come from? My red-faced mum lied. Well, 
Her Auntie Mary has always called her Audrey because she wanted to call her Audrey. But I insisted on Jean and she never called her anything else. So she thinks her name is Audrey and her other Auntie Bessie calls her Diana. So she thinks her name is Jean Audrey Diana. Wouldn't it have been easier just to say, just a kid and she made up some names? Sorry. The town crier looked confused. Well, I've never heard anything like that before. Nobody had ever added names on. I don't think I've altered much since then. It was my first attempt at trying to be a flash sod. Later in life, I didn't have to try to be flashy. It just came naturally. When I could afford to wear mink coats, I'd often upset animal rights activists who protested about fur fashions. They'd say, Do you know how many dead animals are needed to make that coat? And I'd retort, I don't care. Do you know how many animals I've had to put up with to be able to afford this coat? I was never shy about flaunting the trappings of success. There's no point. After I passed the school certificate, my dad splashed out on a piano which stood silent for more than a year because nobody in the house could play a note. Then mum decided I should go along to a piano teacher called Lottie Mannering. Mannering is a strange name because it's spelt Mainwaring. And we say Mannering. What is, what is that? Where does that come from? I can't see the chat, so if you're telling me, I apologise. But that's a strange... There's another name. Monty Python did um, a, a joke about that. Sinjin, obviously, St. John. But they, they did a, a thing where someone had a name and they said it and they said, oh, no, no, it's pronounced luxury yacht. <laughs> I tried to watch some Python TV the other day. I didn't, I didn't like it. I have shown my boys um, The Black Knight and Mr. Creosote. And it's to my great pleasure that every now and then I will hear my boys going, it's only a waffle thing. Uh, where were we? Leslie Mannering. She was on the committee. What is going on here? She was on the committee of the Gloops Club, the children's section of the local Sheffield Star newspaper. She spent a lot of time raising money to send poor kids to the seaside. I don't know why I find that funny. Miss Mannering wore big hats and scarves. Now, she's put scarves. I'm guessing scarves is acceptable because roofs is acceptable. And roofs, right? And was quite eccentric. She charged five shillings for the lesson and five shillings for the book and five shillings for a piano bag. Without even hearing me sing, she said, Oh, you've got a lovely voice, so I'm going to teach you to sing. And it'll be five shillings for that. She then told me she was a member of the Gloops Club and that they had raffles for charity. She asked me to buy something to help the cause, then charged me another five shillings to become a glooper and join the club. After selling me a purse and a piano theory book, she packed me off home, instructed me to return the following week with something for the raffle. I'm very confused by this Gloops Club. I don't know if anyone else is following this. My mother had given me a pound, but I ended up owing Lottie Mannering money. I was in the front. Yeah, that's it. I was in the front room after my first lesson, hammering away at the keys and singing, Ah! when my dad got home and asked, what's wrong with our Jean? 
My mum said proudly, she's learning to sing. But dad said, don't be so bloody daft. She knows how to sing. My mother eyed my new piano bag suspiciously and said, you don't need one of them yet. But I told her Miss Mannering had sold it to me and a purse as well. Mum asked for the change and I explained that as well as the piano lessons, I'd paid for singing lessons. Mother hit the roof when I told her she actually owed Miss Mannering 19 and 6. Grabbing hold of the bag, she said, give me that bloody thing. I'm going to get my money back. She stormed round to her old Victorian house a few hundred yards away on Beechwood Road. But she hadn't bargained on Lottie being such a good saleswoman. And believe it or not, she persuaded my mum to sign up for piano lessons too. Boom. Boom. I'm sniffling a bit. Would you mind if I blow my nose? I didn't think. Have you got a drink? Now's a good time to drink it. So today was a good day. I had my first ever session with a client as a counsellor. And we both survived. I left my tiny clock there. You have a tiny clock that you put to one side. <coughs> so you can surreptitiously look and see how long you've got. I... Um, I had a spare Xbox One. I was given one. And I was able to trade that in at Computer Exchange for £110. And I, with for an extra £40, I bought a PS4. Because my youngest is playing Uncharted. 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 And it's a PS4 exclusive. Um, I had my first session with my supervisor. Supervisor is, if you're, if you're a counsellor... For every amount of, certain amount of hours, you have to go and see a supervisor and you check in and you talk. It, 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 it was incredible, actually, <clears throat> because you talk about themes that have come up. For example, if your client talks about not getting on with their dad, which is something that resonates with me, it might stir something in me, it might stir some resistance or a block or something. And so I could go to the supervisor and say, well, today, Tony talked about his dad and it made me feel... Or I'm, a, I'm attracted to Sarah. Or none of these names are real, of course. And i tell you why I found it so good. Because it's the only place I'm allowed to go in and name the client and talk specifically about the client. Can't do it with any of my friends. Can't do it in AA meetings. Can't do it in college. Can't do it with my counsellor. But with my supervisor, uh, I, can. I can. I can say everything. And that felt amazing. I didn't know it would work quite like that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What was exciting was, I'm trying not to use the car because of the petrol situation. And I have a little scooter, you know, a little scooter. And so I, I live 15 minute drive away from Aylesbury and I had to go and do all of this in Aylesbury. So I rode on my scooter to Aylesbury to exchange the Xbox, do the sec, all, all this stuff. And I was on empty. The light was on and I was on empty. And I went to Computer Exchange and they said it would be about 40 minutes for us to test the Xbox. And then, so I went and got some lunch. And then when I went back, he said, we have a problem with the controller. We can't take the controller because someone has tried to take it apart. There was a screw showing inside. He said, we can't take that. Um, so you'll have to get another controller. I went, not a problem. I have plenty of controllers at home. I'll go and get one. Bearing in mind, 15-minute ride and my scooter is on empty. So I rode back. Traffic was nuts today, partly because of the petrol stuff, partly because a lorry had broken down quite a narrow lane. Zipping past, zipping. And uh, I got the controller. And I thought, now, this is a gamble. I'd left it. It was all quite tight because... It was now five minutes to four, 15 minutes away. And I've got my uh, um, supervisor session at half past four. And that was 10 minutes away. And I thought, there's a chance I'm going to run out of petrol. Do I risk the car? And I thought, well, I can't use the car because traffic is so bad. It would take me 40 minutes to get there. So I'm going to do it. It got me to Aylesbury. I... Swap the, I got, gave the controller in. I got the £110. I bought the PlayStation 4. So I'm lugging a PlayStation 4 around. I walked to the supervision. And then I got back to my scooter. And I'm thinking, this has done three germ. In, out, in, on empty. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer gets a thrill for driving on empty. And, and he's there with a car salesman. And even Kramer goes, this is too, this is too much. It got me home, is, is, is the long and short of it. It got me home, but it was a thrill. And it has got me thinking about petrol. I'm just shy of a full tank. I could probably get 15 pounds in. It cost me 75 pounds to fill up recently. Be more now. So I'm about 15 pounds shy of a full tank, which is pretty good. However, I have to drive to Crowborough on Thursday, which is a two-hour drive, and back. And I have to drive to Windsor on Friday to pick my boys up. 
I've already told my youngest I won't be going to see him play football this Wednesday because I'm worried about petrol. And and that will that will that will that will knack me. <laughs> Those the journey to and from Crowborough and two two Windsor and back again that will wipe me out. And then what? Still got to pick the kids up at certain times. Still have to go to to Crowborough to go to college. Um. So I'm not quite sure what to do. I found that I can get a train to college, 75 quid. And it's like three-hour journey with three changes. And I'm wondering, to make sure I have petrol, <clears throat> do I get the train this week? Answers on the back of a postcard, please. Um, uh, Umpa, are you here? I read your email. And I'm really sorry about your wife, Mrs. Umpa. And uh, yeah, she was in my thoughts a lot today. I don't know if you're here. I'll, I'll reply to the email. But um, thank you for sharing that. I did do a podcast and I asked people to share how they were getting on. And he shared that. And um, <clears throat> uh, that really touched me that you, you felt you could share that. And, you know, lots of love. Um, so I'm not sure whether to drive to college this week and hope that the petrol's fine next week? Or do I get the train in and conserve the petrol um, for like kid, the kids, which is, is, is obviously more important. I can't not go to college because they will mark it as an absence. And I mean, maybe I could miss it one week. I wouldn't want to, but I could miss it one week and, and it will be okay. But they would mark it as an absence. And if you get four absences, you, you're out. And I've got one already. So... I don't really know what to do. I don't see the petrol situation getting any better anytime soon. I think we're in this, I'm making this up, a month? What do you reckon? Because I don't see any action in terms of getting more petrol in. I don't see anything. I'm hearing talk about it, but I don't see anything. So not really sure what to do. Like a lot of you, I'm guessing. Let's get back to this. We don't have much time left together. Believe it or not, she persuaded my mum to sign up for piano lessons too. She didn't teach her, her pupils scales to start with, just how to play with one finger of each hand. Mum went back for about five lessons, but my mother never really grasped the piano and the hassle over the lessons landed her with shingles, which laid her up in hospital. To this day, I can't play the piano to save my life either. Wow, good story. <laughs> she knows how to tell a story, right? But I did do my bit for the war effort with Miss Hills's class from Rotherham High School for Girls. It was one autumn towards the end of the war and we were sent off to Lincolnshire to pick spuds. Our nation needed us and our class, always immaculately turned out in our brown and pale gold uniform, was willing to help out. The local lads needed us as well. Oh my God, here we go! The local lads needed us as well and we were just as willing to oblige them. Mrs Hills did her best to stop us fraternising with the enemy. 
Anyone in trousers was considered a foe by our gym mistress, with her short black hair and prim school mom dresses. We outflanked her with meetings after lights out by the latrines, which were housed in a hut a short distance away from the barrack-style dormitory. Before our secret rendezvous, we were forced to change into our pyjamas, something all the girls hated. If we'd known we would get the opportunity to meet boys on our potato-picking expedition, we might have taken some floaty negligees. Instead, I was stuck with striped and floral cotton pyjamas. We had to traipse down a long, long path overgrown with grass to get to our latrine love nest. By the way, Latrine Love Nest, great band from the 70s, only released two albums. The second one's a dud, the first one is great. It was not the most romantic of locations. But when you're in your teens, you tend not to be too fussy. After our first week away, I'm going to say the word canoodling in a minute, so get ready for it. When you hear it, ring your bell. After our first week away... We had just arrived at the stage where we were canoodling with the local lads when Hills the Hun spoiled our fun. She burst in on one of our midnight trysts and carpeted me and the whole chain gang. We were confined to barracks for the second week, but we still had fun singing about Hills the Hun. It's twice she's done the rhyme there. During the day, she wore her own school uniform and supervised as we grubbed about through furrows of mud, searching for spuds. We'd wake at 7.30am, and after our breakfast, we'd be out in the fields by 9am for a back-breaking day. The war sounds rubbish! We used to be paid for our harvesting, but we'd give the money to school funds. As the days went on, we picked less and less potatoes as the kneeling and digging in the soil took its toll. My next shove for the war effort involved pushing my mother's arm up her back to persuade her to take a soldier into her house. I'm worried where this is going to go. The sun was cracking the cobbles round Rotherham when I first heard the sound of stamping feet pounding through the streets. It was the army arriving in town. Hundreds of smart young soldiers marching on one of the hottest days I can ever remember. The officers were knocking on doors seeking billets. Is that how you pronounce it? Billets? It will be billets. Billets for the boys. By the time they reached our house at the top of the broom, there was just a handful of troops left. Two went to Auntie Edie's next door and that left one lad to knock on ours. Mum said she didn't want him, but this poor ginger-haired lad was sweating cobs with his serge uniform on and a full pack on his back. I felt really sorry for him and persuaded her to take him in. Just look at those big boots, ma'am. You can't make him walk any further, I pleaded. I'm just making sure they don't. he doesn't end up having sex with a child. Okay, I think we're okay. Her heart melted and Tommy moved into our single bedroom. He was a big cuddly uncle to me. Okay, that's fine, and stayed with us for 16 months. He'd take me to the pictures for a treat and tell me about his hometown of Wolverhampton. I was heartbroken when he had to leave us for manoeuvres overseas. I'm glad that's the end of that story. Rationing caused everyone problems during the war, but I remember flouting the regulations when I sneaked into the school pantry. I stocked up with all the ingredients I needed for some lovely biscuits and whisked them up in my cookery class. 
I was particularly proud of them. And when I got home, Mum said I'd done a beautiful job. But the smile soon vanished when she took a bite. This silly bugger had pinched salt instead of sugar. That's not a great story. I wouldn't have put that in a book. That's a whole paragraph. Oh, chapter four is called Shotgun Wedding and we won't get there tonight. I'm sorry. I was regularly getting in trouble at school, but the worst hot water I landed in earned me a two-week suspension. And as you can guess, it had something to do with boys. I was flicking through the pages of a dirty book. Well, an... <coughs> well, a Mills and Boone-style romance, which at the time was considered very risque. It was even more risky. Does risque mean risky? It was even more risky if you were reading it in the middle of a history lesson. Miss Hills asked me a question, but I was so engrossed in this book that I didn't hear her. She caught me red-handed. I was hauled up to the front of the class, still clutching the book. She was furious when she saw what I was reading and sent me up to Miss Denser, our dragon of a headmistress. There was no messing about with her, and after hitting the roof, she suspended me there and then. I had some explaining to do when I got home. Everybody saw red over so-called blue books in those days. That line's not as clever as you thought it was. And now in my 60s and have started shrinking. At one stage, I was five feet and a quarter inch tall. I was proud of being over five feet tall. I always used to mention that quarter of an inch. People who are just about five feet tall are always extra careful to include the added fraction in their height. I used to say it's better to be looked over than overlooked. I might not have the biggest frame in the business, but I've always said that on the inside there's a seven-foot woman trying to get out. And the woman inside me was released. Oh, no, Mama! The woman inside me was released for the first time when I was 13. At least that's when I lost my virginity. You may not want to hear this. We're going in. You've been warned. That was your chance to get out. It happened on Herringthorpe playing fields after an evening at the pictures. An experience I will never forget, but can't really remember much about. Sorry? If that makes a bit of sense, it doesn't. I was much too young, and it only happened because I was in the hands of an older, more experienced boy. Ooh, in fact, at 23, Walter was already a man. Have I left the candle under there? That's a really stupid thing to do. It was a metal candle. The candle was made of metal. Ah! Ah! It was a metal candle, everybody. The candle was made of metal. I'm being very brave about it. Let's get to a story of sexual abuse. He did the deed very skillfully, so deftly that I didn't notice what had happened. 
On this particular night, we were walking home hand in hand after kissing in the cinema, which was about as far as kids got in those days when Walter said, let's sit down here. It was a summer's evening and we were out in the open air on the local playing fields. Walter started messing about and I just lay back and let it happen. Before that, I don't remember anybody ever speaking to me about sex. And come to think about it, nobody ever did afterwards. It was a taboo subject in the 30s and 40s when I was a child. The nearest we got to sex education was giggling together as schoolgirls in the playground over romantic novels. I honestly don't remember anything about losing my virginity. The mechanics of it, anyway. Mum rumbled me the next day and said I'd been up to something. I didn't know anything about what had gone on. If I had, I would have thrown my knickers away. Mum was not best pleased. She said, you've been messing about. There's blood in your knickers and I know why. I was that naive that I asked her, tell me. She just came out with it. You are not a virgin anymore. I was shocked because I hadn't wanted it to happen and hadn't realised it had. I still had my dolls and was playing out just a child. Walter lived on a... This is, this is incredible, right? This is an incredible story. Walter lived on a posh estate... I wish they had banned this book. Walter lived on a posh estate in Rotherham, and we lived nearby. Needless to say, I never went out with him again after that. He asked me to the pictures with him a couple of nights later, but I refused. His family moved away soon after that, so it never happened again. I never told my mum who I'd lost my virginity to, but she found a note in my diary which read, Walter took me in the top field and took my knickers down. She didn't need a great deal of imagination to work out who deflowered me after that. I gave up going out with boys after Walter. I wasn't sure if I liked what had happened, but decided that I didn't want to do it again. I was simply too young for a sexual experience. I went through a phase of going out old time dancing with my mother. I suppose she saw it as a way of keeping me out of mischief. Mischief? She was raped. After a couple of visits, this lad called Ralph started getting friendly. He was a strapping lad and he eventually asked me for a dance. But after one waltz, I turned my nose up at him. He stank of cod and chips. I really, I'm quite hungry. Fancy some fish and chips. I danced with him again, but the smell was overpowering. It turned out his mum and dad ran a fish and chippy, and my mother thought he was a good catch. Clever. I was given every encouragement to date him, but simply could not stomach the smell. Who's that? Hello, Mucky. Do you want to come and say hello? I think Mucky... Come here, say hello, look. No, you missed your dinner, love. I fed everyone and you weren't here. Where are we? The fish and chips, yes. I stopped going old time dancing after that. Instead, I started going to dance halls with my school pal and best friend, Doreen Bell. We went every Saturday night to... I watched um, People Just Do Nothing film. Patchy. There is a great scene with Jabadi G on the aeroplane. He enters the Mile High Club. And there was a joke about bells. I can't remember how it started, but it, but it ended up, yeah, I get it, like bell ends. I don't quite, anyway, it, Patchy. What they did is they went for an emotional story as opposed to a funny one. But 
it was nice being in their company for 90 minutes. You know. Doreen Bell. We went every Saturday night to the Maramba Dance Hall in Rotherham. We used to dance with the lads, but nothing more. After my mum's reaction to what had gone on with Walter, I wasn't in a hurry to incur her wrath. Again, it's pronounced wrath. Unless you're an American, and then it's wrath. But it's wrath. One Saturday night at the Maramba was going to change my life forever when Doreen persuaded me to go up on the stage and sing. She was always telling me to do it, and I finally got up during a talent competition. When I came off, a drummer called Ken Copley said to me, my brother Ron is looking for a singer for his band. He's playing at the co-op tonight. Why don't you go up and have a little try with him? So I went up to the co-op and sang. That was my first audition, and I got the job. I was delighted, but didn't realise at the time they were all buskers. They couldn't read a note of music. But they were a great jazz band, and they used to play in whatever key I was singing. I'd get into the act when they were playing, and once I got in, they'd follow me. They paid me five shillings for a Saturday night. It wasn't much, but to me, it was a fortune. Bruce, the sax player, used to pick me up from Rotherham and take me to the Silver Dollar Club at Maltby. After we'd done our spot, he would run me home. Bruce tried it on a couple of times, but was a lot older and realised I wasn't interested in him at all. I was a bundle of nervous energy on my first night. I was making my professional debut as a singer. When I walked on the stage, Ron announced... We've a new singer starting tonight called Dizzy. I looked round thinking they got somebody else, but they just christened me Dizzy. To this day, I've never fi found out why they gave me that name. I don't know if they didn't call me Dizzy because I acted daft. I took real pride in my performance, wearing those come-dancing-type frocks. Anyway, it's my first ever stage name. They'd ask, Dizzy, what are you going to sing? I'd say, Sheik of Araby, and they go straight into it because we'd already arranged the keys. I'd also, do off the I'd also do stuff like Don't Bring Lulu and a lot of jazz numbers. Ain't Misbehaving and A Long Way From St. Louis were a couple of favourites of the band, but they did all those old songs. I had a sort of jazzy voice, which helped a lot. So, by the tender age of 14, I was working on the stage. But if you told me then that showbiz was to become my life, I'd have thought you were the dizzy bugger, not me. Well, that was interesting. A lot in there. A lot in there. And remember, those stories are from the 40s. And that book, I think, was published in the late 80s, early 90s. So you've got two sets of, you're able to say different times, twice because of what happened in the 40s and the fact that she was writing it from the late 80s. So you've got two different perspectives. Thank you to everybody who recommended uh, Squid Game to me, the Korean uh, TV show. I have watched two episodes. I was really surprised by episode two. And at the beginning of episode two is perhaps the most, is, is horrific. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. It's very similar to Battle Royale, the movie, and to, uh, is it called Alice in Borderland, the Japanese 
show. Um, it's, it's a similar vibe to that, but I'm really enjoying it. I might go and watch an episode after this. What do you think? What are you going to do after this? Well, that's good to know. So I can hear someone. We're going to finish now. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Um, and we are together again tomorrow. I can't remember what time. Um, and I can't remember what we're doing. Is tomorrow the airline? I, you can type in the chat. I won't see it. Is tomorrow airline? I think it might be. It might be. Um, so we're here tomorrow and Wednesday. And this stuff is, is for you behind the paywall to, to say thank you to the, the, the Patreons. Um, you would have seen some of our tweets. It's 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 getting tight. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people drop off this month and it is kind of a continuing downward trend and it's getting tight. And we may not be able to do this forever. We may not be able to do this for much longer. Uh, we want to uh, because we like hanging out with you and we like doing stuff. And um, thank you. You know, this you are here. Uh, this is for people that aren't here. It's tight. It's tight. And if it goes much further down, it won't be worth doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who's made this possible. It's appreciated. And I was thinking, do you remember last week, me and Catherine talked about we had an idea for the show. After hearing about the birthday cake game, um, Richard Osman, it's a, a show that I don't like. It's, it's, I think it's a lazy show where for 30 minutes they try and guess how old people are who are having their birthday that week. And we said, well, that's a 90-second feature on a local radio breakfast show. And then we came up with the breakfast show show where you get all of the games from a breakfast show, um, the birth, guessing people's birthdays, what's in my pocket, all that kind of stuff, and you do it as a show. And I said, oh, we should pitch that. No, we shouldn't. We should do it here for you. So we'll do that one day. We'll do the breakfast show show. We'll come up with um, some ideas and um, we'll do that. I am really keen to give you different stuff. If you're a £20 Patreon, I had some really good feedback about the um, bonus podcast where I go and read to my mum. And I really want to give you different stuff so that it's worth you subscribing and it's worth others and if you could kind of spread the word if you do like hashtag tlna and say on twitter or your social media of choice this is great here's the link it'd be really helpful I'm struggling to breathe a little bit Bear with me. <clears throat> Songs that are obviously written on pianos are really hard to play on guitar, particularly if you're not a very good guitarist. <clears throat> 
because they've got different chords and it's easier, to, you know, on the guitar, you can go from a G to a C to a D. Um, I can't remember, even remember how to hold a bloody guitar. And, and that's easy. But on a piano, you can go to different chords easier than you can on guitar. So, so this is tricky. I don't know it very well. And it's got some really weird piano chord th changes. So bear with me. Laugh me a laugh, grin me a grin, and then I know that we can win. Dance me a dance, joke me a joke, and blow the clouds away. You got to play me a tune, sing me a song, and we can help push life along. Just you and me, come on and see, together we'll be... I've done it wrong. Can we start again? there's a really nice bit where it goes and I missed it I missed it so let me just do it again laugh me a laugh grin me a grin and then I know that we can win dance me a dance joke me a joke Tough. Chords aren't written down. I'm having to remember them. There we go. Got it. Won't make any more mistakes. I might make a few, but I'll play through this time. Laugh me a laugh, grin me a grin, and then I know that we can win. Dance me a dance, joke me a joke. And blow the clouds away You got to play me a tune Sing me a song And we can help push life along Just you and me Come on and see Together we'll be okay Open the door Open your heart And then we've got somewhere to start Just turn around Look what we found Today's a brand new day You gotta run with me now I'll show you how The world is waiting Take a bow Show them it's you What you can do Together we two can win I like this bit Rock on Tommy Dance to the tune That the guitar sings Rock on Tommy, just get up and spread your wings You follow me through into the sun And we can smile at everyone You gotta join in the ba -dum -bum. I don't know how the words go here Life is a song, so just sing along And then we know we can go wrong just you and me, come on and see, together we'll be okay, together we'll be okay, you know we will, we really will. Messed up at the end and the beginning, just the way it goes sometimes. It's a tough song to play and I haven't got the chords in front of me. And I don't quite know how some of the words. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. None of it matters.
None of it matters. I'm going to um, put my coat on and my hat on and pretend that I'm leaving because I think it's a nice... Um, it's, just a, it's just a nice image. I'm going to walk through there. That's my kitchen. Um, and then I'll be back about 20 seconds later to pretend that I've forgotten to turn the stream off. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is... Had a nice little bit of theatre. So, logically, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but I think, I like this jacket. I think it's a nice image, really. So, with that in mind, be about 20 seconds and then and do the thing. So, good night. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.